Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight for our 50th episode is Josh Cacho. Josh, what's going on? I mean, it's hard to believe it's been 50 episodes. It's been a good fun ride. Um, but the crazy thing, right, is like we have we actually have soccer to talk about, which is different from, you know, what we've been used to these last couple in these last few months where it was a lot of just conspiracy corner talking about COVID and all these things. And now, you know, it was a nice change with the MLS is back, but now we're actually getting back into league play. So, yeah, it's good to be back for this one. Yeah, I mean, I think we were kind of stretching a couple of times we talked about star Wars and a handful of other random things. Uh, it is good to be back. It is good to be talking about something more concrete. Um, as we all know, LAFC crashed out of the quarterfinals of the MLS's back tournament, uh, to Orlando. And we didn't come back and do an in-depth analysis on that episode. So you are all welcome for sparing you an hour of <laughs> having to relive all that. Um, so tonight, what we wanted to do was kind of diagnose what we think went wrong at the tournament, what went right at the tournament as well, because it certainly wasn't all bad. Um, wanted to talk about some of the news with uh, things like Dio leaving, uh, a new signing out there, and of course, we have El Trafico on Saturday. So plenty to talk about tonight. Josh, what were your overall impressions and takeaways of LAFC at the MLS's back tournament? I mean, I think the biggest thing, obviously, was the emergence of Diego Rossi as like an, as a number one guy, right? Or the, has the, him showing that flashes, those flashes of like, hey, I can be the man, you know, or I, I, I can get to that level, right? Um, because otherwise, the team was just incomplete, right? If you, anytime you're asked, anytime MLS teams have been asked to compete without their their highest paid, you know, DP guy, they've rarely done well, right? In this instance, you know, LAFC was able to put together a nice little run, right? Obviously, like, expectations were were high, even without Carlos Vela, but, I mean, again, you're anytime you're not playing with, with the MVP of the league and the guy who just basically set the league on fire last year, you know, and was continuing to do so heading into the season, um, again, were what were we what do you really expect right and again we have high expectations because the team has performed this well but at the same time um again that's a lot of money that's not playing and in a league where your salary cap that's a big deal and so when you kind of you know so it's hard for me to really put a ton of stock in like you know they should have done all these different things we're like sure but give us the full comp give us your full complement and and make that same run then this whole different story right so Last year's playoffs, I'm more mad about that performance because you had everyone you need, you were supposed to have, right? Walker Zimmerman was a. Did he play in that playoff game? Don't remember. Um, no, he was injured. Did. I think he, he had was. a concussion. Right? He had a concussion. Okay, yeah. So obviously the injuries happen, but you 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 still had you had your three DPS available, all these different things, right? So I'm going to be more annoyed that you're not moving on when you're supposed to in that game against Seattle versus in a one-off game minus Carlos Vela, you know, um, after having, you know, you're bringing in three or four new players, trying to get it all just to kind of figure things out, you know, in what, two, about a three-week span is how about how much training they had heading into this thing um, because LA was shut down longer than some of the other, you know, some of the other states. And so, yeah, I mean, I can only be so mad about it, all things considered. 
obviously it's a disappointing outcome. You would have wished we would have won because there was something on the line. That being, you know, the the um, the Champions League berth. But at the same time, should Concacaf Champions League actually continue, which it's supposed to? The other side, you know, the flip side of it is just go win that, right? That would be your other side of things. Go win right. that, and you you shut up everyone. But tournament play is really weird, right? Like, you know, you saw teams even in Europe, right? In in these one-off games, things again. It, it's not. Is it really a is it really a measure of who the best team is in that particular, um, in that part? You know, at that time, you know, maybe that particular moment, that's who the best team is. But over the course of an entire season, over the you know, it, is it really showing that? Not necessarily, right? So, again, it it's tough to look at those things, you know, so obviously we value the Champions League so much, but at least in that you get those home and homes. And again, now we'll, if depending, no matter who wins on this, are we going to look at it the same way because of the change in format? I don't know. Right. And so this is kind of that same thing to me where it's like, given the format, some of these different things, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it because again, you're not, the playing field is very uneven and so on. Some of these things. I mean, it was even more so when they first started with the schedule was out of control too. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, you're impressed with you know you're impressed with some of the individual play that you saw out there. Some guys finally coming to life, guys showing off. Um, you see some things that we definitely needed to work on, um, but at the same time, you know, again, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, um, I think when it comes to individual takeaways or takeaways about individual players. Obviously, Rossi is a guy who can shoulder the team if he needs to. What I think that means more for LAFC, and this will come as a shock to absolutely nobody, is that he's probably ready to move uh, and and to go on and play for whatever Italian team is going to pay us a lot of money. Um, I will not be surprised when it happens. Um uh, I will be sad to see him go, but at the same time, it's an his sale especially is like an important moment for the club and their ability to find somebody young in South America, sign them to a DP contract, play them, and then move them on to their ultimate destination. Uh, because even though we all love LAFC, they are not the ultimate destination for young South American talent. Um who is who are looking they're all looking to go play in the biggest leagues and that's not MLS. Um so that's that's my takeaway for Rossi is it's it's time for him to go. Not because we want to see him leave necessarily, but because uh it's probably best for everybody in the long term. Uh I thought Brian Rodriguez looked much better in this tournament. It looked like a guy who was starting to fit better in the system and understand what it what was being asked of him. And I think we saw that manifest itself in uh, especially the assist that he was able to to collect during the tournament. Another one was BWP. I think we saw that he is still, you know, for 45 minutes, a very, very good option in MLS as a striker. Um, unfortunately, we saw Dio get injured and then ultimately, ultimately leave the club. So, you can't go into a season, even if it is shortened, with just BWP and Danny Masovsky as your strikers. So I think I think the club's going to have to do something about that, um, unless it really is you know Vela at the nine 
uh, or Rossi at the nine, but it seems like it's, they want Vela there. Uh, and I'm still not a huge fan of that. I think, I think we should be playing people in their positions as best as possible, as much as possible. Um, and I think Rossi's probably the better fit there, but I'm not the coach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, go ahead. I mean, if you think you have to look at it, playing Rossi through the middle is not as a foreign concept. You know, like I feel like that's that that idea looks much better after this tournament than it did before. Should obviously we the we're both predicting that he's going to get that he is going to move, you know, within the next few weeks, you know, or I mean, before in the transfer window. Um, so obviously that plans may change and they, you know, like again, at that point you have an open DP spot and, you know, need for, you know, uh, you know, either a, a number nine. So Vela can go back out to the wing, you know, or a guy who can kind of rotate, you know, that, that fits that mold of playing all three positions, right. Is kind of what mm-hmm. they're probably more going to look at, whether that's from a young player or a veteran who that we're not sure. But again, that that's kind of the that's the track record of the team so far, right? Is to find someone in that front three position that can that's gonna be able to rotate and move and do multiple things for you. Um but again, if in if you're just looking at the team as it is, playing Rosie through the middle with Vela on the right and Rodriguez on the left, it's not it's not a bad look, right? And and again at that point do you find someone that kinda if you move Rossi on, you just kind of find someone to plug into that same thing where, where you have someone who can play any of the front three and can rotate with the, the other two guys. You know, something similar to what PSG is doing right now, right, with their front three of um, Di Maria, Neymar, and Mbappe, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Obviously to a different level, but. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I guess we'll just see. It seems like the big transfers with LAFC have been pretty quiet until they're a done deal. This seems like one of those that they're not going to move Rossi until they know for certain that they have uh, somebody inbound, I would imagine. Um, So I would, I, it seems to me like, you know, a week from today, we could just hear out of the blue, we could all wake up and on Twitter, it's like, Oh, Diego Rossi's moving. And -and so-and-so is coming in. Um, It's to me, that's how it always seems to go. I think maybe Brian Rodriguez we knew a little bit ahead of time, but um, yeah, I think it was, it was about a week. Or so. What's that? It seemed like it was about a week from when it released to finally when it to the point when it was announced. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, like we'll get that. We'll get basically an official report that the deal is done, and then the club will announce later, right? Um, yeah. So. Uh, with the one of the other big takeaways for me, there's been a lot said about the defense. Um, and we kind of talked about it with Vince when he was on the show. The defense is a problem, but I don't think it's just as simple as, well, we need new defenders. Uh, again, given the way that LAFC play, and they're going to try and play through pressure by overloading uh, opponents in the midfield and on the, on the wings, uh, we're going to get caught out. So unless you have Virgil van Dyke playing center back, uh, you're not going to clean up everything. You're going to give away goals on the fast break. Um, I, I I think that's just something that we're going to have to learn to live with. We're going to give away goals, and the idea is you're going to you, you're going to have to outscore them. I guess you could call it the Chelsea model, right? Um, yeah. But I'm I'm so 
barring Bob changing that philosophy, which is not going to happen, uh, you're just going to need more help defensively. I think keeping Tristan Blackman at center back is a good idea. Um, but that also requires that Andy Nahar is ready to play right back. And uh, we saw him come in. He didn't look spectacular, but you know he obviously didn't have a whole lot of time to get fit. And then he got injured. So have you seen an injury report about him, by the way? No, I believe he's back in training. I think he basically was just out for you know about a week. It seems like about a week and a half or so. Okay, okay. Well, from everything I've seen lately, because I don't even think in that last game, I don't believe he was on there. It was just right. Dio and someone else, if I remember right. Got it. So yeah, I mean, for you're gonna you're gonna need individual like stellar individual performances from your defenders because they're gonna be hung out to dry every now and again, um, and that's just that's the way we play. Uh, and if you wanted to change, then you got to get rid of Bradley. And if you're tweeting Bradley out, then it's time to log off Twitter because you've lost the plot. Um, anything else here on MLS's back, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I think we've probably you know beat the drum more than more than anyone about how this is more an issue of you know from a defense perspective. It's just a matter of understanding you know based on how you're wanting to play what the balance is from the midfield and some of these different things. And so I think one of the things that was interesting to see was how some of these new midfielders are going to fit into the system, what the ultimate yeah. role will be, how they're going to be fitting with, you know, with Latif and with Mark Anthony K. Um, you know, I, I still think that K and Atuesta are your lock on starter for the time being. Latif's job is the one that seems to be a little bit more, in flux, not necessarily him not being on the field, but at least him being at mid in in the midfield and not mm-hmm. moved up to right back or up to wing or something along that, that line. Again, mainly based on who we're playing in Major League Soccer, right? Again, if you have a team occasionally that you're you know that's going to come out and play, then Latif is great. But when you're playing against a team like Orlando that's going to defend that wants to sit back and defend for ninety minutes, not you know again it, it's not as effective to have you know that the way that they're going to you know them his biggest strength in the counter press is nullified because they're basically just kicking the ball over the midfield so what's yeah. again yeah. It, it what you gain from him is not as much as what i think we could have if you have a more clean passer on the ball or someone that's a little bit better in in possession but yeah, yeah. it doesn't mean that he's he's not effective and doesn't do a lot of great things for the team it just again you start to wonder what the next evolution of this team is, right? You know, with with the vision that, that John Thornton and Bob Bradley have in mind. And now as they move into the next phase of trend for markets and having the money available and, you know, again, do they have the money available to them from selling a, a, a Diego Rossi for, you know, $20, $30 million to them when they were bringing in players in the beginning? Probably not, right? Because we're getting guys from USL, you're, you know, or from random places, you know, different, you know, from the waiver wire, from the expansion draft, all these different things. What What is the next evolution of the team and what can they continue to build with what they're doing already, right? Is it kind mm-hmm. of the exciting thing? Yeah, I think that's strong medicine regarding the midfield. And I think it's necessary. I think people need to prepare themselves to have that conversation because 
just like we said, it's not always on the defense necessarily that there are defensive flaws. If we leave the the center backs out to dry because the fullbacks are pushed high and the midfield plays sloppy and is just giving away turnovers, um, then we need to have a, a a discussion about the midfield. And a guy, like you said, like Latif, he's not going to be uh, as tidy on the ball as somebody like Francisco Janela. And Janela, like you said, isn't going to give you the same amount of energy or skill even when when counter-pressing. But what he does in possession is vastly superior to to a guy like Latif. Um, so like you said, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where, where these guys eventually fit in. Uh, Janela seems like a guy who's more of a regista, who's going to sit back. Sifuente uh, seems like a guy who can get forward and press a little bit more like an eight or, or an anti-10. Um, Bryce Duke is also there. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. He, he was one of the more consistent subs from, from Bob during the tournament. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he fits in in the regular season and um, if we continue to see him as like an 80th minute sub or if he eventually moves to a 60 minute sub or, you know, what's going to happen there. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see though. Uh, so moving on shortly after the tournament, Dio announced that for family reasons, he was terminating his contract with the club. Uh, and obviously we wish him the best. Uh, I think everybody kind of understands that these are tough times to, to live through especially if your family's in here. I think his mom is a nurse, if I remember correctly, back in Norway. Um, and, I mean, he's kind of had a rough go of it with injuries and having to take so much time off. So we wish him well. Um, definitely have some very fond memories of him. I was at the game against Philadelphia when he had a when he had a hat trick. I think that was my mom's first game at the hmm. bank. And I had my boys there with me, too. Um, and I talk about it often last year, he converted my, uh, non-sports loving best friend from, from high school to an LAFC fan with his game winner against Kansas city. Um, Josh, what do you think about this? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's tough to see him go because again, you, when you think of deal with all the moments he provided in, you know, and getting almost what seems like such a short amount of time because again, whether it was for a question of availability or just when he came into the season, he came in during the secondary secondary transfer window. It was right before the world cup um, yeah. when he joined the team. So obviously it was him and Lee Wynn coming in, you know, again, we, we kind of thought the same thing about when, you know, when Lee left the team as well, right. It's, it's hard to see these kind of guys, these guys go because of what, you know, the memories that they bring, to you as a fan um you know but again it's it's the nature of the beast it's part of you know professional sports you know and again and it, as, as sad as it's going to be right this is this will ultimately be the expectation every year that we go through we're going to lose you know we'll probably lose someone you know that we've come to love you know and, and adore as as fans and so that's it's unfortunate, but it's going to happen even more so, especially given the direction that Major League Soccer wants to take the league in terms of being a selling league as opposed to, you know, a retirement league. So, you know, again, I, you know, you you have to take your hat off to him because of the things that he's done. And I, you know, I'll, 
anytime someone is going to prioritize their family over everything else, you're never going to hear a word from me in terms of criticism, because obviously those are the things that really matter when it comes to the, you know, comes when it, at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's what really matters. So, you know, again, wish the best of luck to him and, you know, hope that everything works out best. Um, well, you know, moving forward for him, you know, I said, I wonder if he'll pop back up in Norway again, you know, something along that line, you know, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In terms of replacements, Josh, I think he was on 950000 a year, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, which is, especially in MLS, a very significant amount of money when it comes to the salary cap. He's also the guy that you came into the season thinking, all right, this is our starting number nine. He's going to take the lion's share of the minutes. We have BWP to come in when he needs a spell or we need to change things up. Um, so he's obviously a guy that you have to replace, uh, somehow you either have to bring in a winger, uh, or you have to bring in a midfielder that can push Latif back out to the wing, uh, in a kind of a secondary role. Uh, Vela has got to play through the middle, but some, I mean, they have to go out and sign somebody. Um, what do you think they should do? Yeah, I mean, I think the initial calls are going to be obviously for them to go and find, you know, the quote unquote um, true number nine, right? Mm-hmm. Drives me absolutely bananas because obviously we've seen over the last couple of years, there's nothing traditional that this team will or ever will do, um, at least to the, the, the mind of the average fan that's out there. Yeah. Uh, because again, Time and time again, we've seen them go up buck against conventional wisdom and do things we weren't expecting and end up with great results. Um, but with that in mind, obviously, the emergence of BWP in, in, this, in this tournament helps a lot, right? Because now, if you go back to what they were starting at the beginning of the season and likely what we'll see on Saturday, um, is Rodriguez playing on the left or on the I mean... It's Rodriguez, Vela, and and uh, Rosie in your front three in some some configuration. Whether it's Rosie through the middle or Vela through the middle, and then um, Rodriguez on whatever side that the other guy's not playing. Um, you know, he's basically just kind of the fill in for everyone yeah. else. Yeah. But I think the one thing to note is that again, that's the whole point, right? Is that all three of those guys can be in any of those positions, and you know, is it? Is it Rodriguez sliding underneath the two and then it being like a 4-1-2-1-2, like a Madrid style where East Coast sliding underneath the two forwards? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or is it a Rossi through the middle as that like stretch the defense ball over the top kind of thing, which we saw a lot in the in in MLS's back tournament? Or, you know, or is it Vela dropping into space as a false nine? You know, all of those different things are options. And again, those tactics are going to come on a game-by-game basis based on what Bob sees. Um, from their opponents, right? So to try and say, oh, this is exactly what we need. Again, we've learned that that's a bit futile because, again, the go back to what we've always known, and it's about the principle. What are the principles of play? This is how they're going yeah. to go about it. And then from there, we're going to find guys who can do multiple things to be able to do that, right? So if you're going to say, okay, we're going to go and pick this big hulking number nine that can only play that one position, probably not going to be the, the the guy that they come up with 
right? Find the guy that can float around, you know, maybe, you know, like, but that's what now we have BWP for is to be that guy who can come in and get on the end of balls and finish things for the last 45 minutes of the game, right? Perfect. You have that number, that true number nine on your bench, ready, ready to come in and do his thing. Now for obviously the sale of one of the two wingers is going to make the biggest difference in terms of how this thing plays out. But you want to, what we're likely to see is someone who has that flexibility, who can play in multiple positions, either on the left or the right or through the middle. Um, you know, the, the names that you're going to, you know, you'll hear thrown out there right right now, who's available. Um, you know, obviously a Cavani is available. You know, Luis Suarez is probably the, the best guy there to face, but he's under, I think he just re-signed his contract. There's probably some clause that allows him to get out because I know they're trying to unload every single Barcelona after getting whomped 8-2 is trying to get rid of everyone on the team. Yeah, um, yeah. So, again, who knows what will happen, but that that's kind of the situation, right? If If you're trying to think about just a FIFA position, Right when you're playing FIFA, who 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 is listed as CF or ST? <laughs> Good yeah. luck trying to figure out how LAFC is going to play because that's not at all how we're looking at things. Right, we're looking at it strictly from a matter of who you know again who has the most amount of flexibility because as the game goes on, Bob wants to be able to shift the tactic. Right, so in mm-hmm. the middle of the game, he's going to flip the wingers. He's going to drop bail into a false nine depending on how the other team is playing because again what you no matter how much you scout a team they could come out with something completely different so you have to be able to adjust and if you're unable to do that well you're probably going to lose and we've seen our team do that you know over the course of time against teams they shouldn't lose to you know whether it was a vancouver when they're on their winning streak last year um you know or whatever it may be but and blow out teams that they absolutely you know, that, that are, you know, tougher, like a Seattle, right? You come in and you destroy them at, at the bank. And so that's where, again, it, if you're trying to look at it from, from a very, like, static way of thinking, you're going to be let down. If you're looking at it from, like, look back to all the things that you've heard Bob talk about, go back to, like, this, was it, between two coaches, that, that series? It's really eye-opening in terms of what the expectation level is from what Bob expects from his players and what the expectation level is for guys coming out and going forward. And if you're, if you can look at those things then you're going to probably now start to see the types of guys that LAFC is going to be looking towards in the market. You know, if you're looking at a veteran and someone, a big name, right. There's those like the Mario Mandzukic of the world who I think just terminated his contract in the middle East, you know, he can play all three positions that, you know, like, mm-hmm there there's your big splashy one right again his age profile doesn't fit what the team has done recently so maybe not but again you never know um or do you go to something along you know or do you find something else someone uh, a younger guy that's coming out of the championship you know or that that's that's you know like you know there's always buys to be found by guys that are getting relegated you know teams are getting relegated um because you can probably pay them a lot more money as a dp but again, most mm-hmm. of it's going to probably come down to whether or not, um, you know, one of the wingers gets sold and how how that moves forward. But again, you ha- if you're talking about a true number nine, they have BWP on the bench to be that when the time comes. They're going to find a flexible forward that can play all across one three to kind of fill that fill that void should one of the wingers leave. Yeah, I think uh, I think Manzukic is a good 
he's a good like comp to go with somebody who, like you said, can play all three positions, whose quality is going to give you uh, reliable finishing, reliable creativity, um, which is a bit of an oxymoron, I realize. But somebody that you can that you can reliably play the ball to, and expect them to be able to find a like a a creative pass or a like a clever little flick onto a runner or whatever it is they're going to be able to create for you uh let me just for the sake of having some some fun here i think manzukic or a guy like thomas muller who i think is still under contract for a while when he was available last year but what'd yeah, you say he, re- he re- like he was when those things were like they resigned him, but they weren't really sure if they were going to because of all Bayern looked like they were done for right earlier this year. Yeah. And yeah. then I think once Hansi Flick came on and kind of turned things around, then they kind of got the gang back together. And now he's what a number 10, like who, who would have thought, right? That Thomas Muller would be playing the 10, but when you yeah, have yeah. Thiago and you know, those and those kind of midfielders behind you, you can do whatever the heck you want. Mm hmm. So again, I don't think I don't think LAFC has that kind of pull anyway to go out and get like a forty million dollar uh, striker from from Bayern Munich. Um, that's not, I'm just throwing out a, a profile uh, essentially, and again having some fun. But the guy, you know, this is the guy that coined the term Ram Deuter, the space interpreter. Um, that is exactly what LAFC is looking for: somebody who can read both the opponent and his teammates. He can play in front of the defense with his back to goal. He can get in behind. He can both create and finish uh, chances. So we're talking about somebody who is extremely versatile. I mean, the, I, the other example would be Bobby Firmino, right? Obviously, he's not leave, leaving Liverpool anytime soon. But these are the types of players as opposed to, you know, Olivier Giroud, um, who I'm sure LAFC would be thrilled to have. And if they had the chance to sign him, they would. But he's not exactly the style of striker that they're looking for. Um, so, as as we as you consider who they might go out and sign, I'd I'd consider that. Um, the other possibility is that LAFC says, you know what, we have a million dollars to spend, we will sign uh, somebody like a smaller uh, striker, somebody you know, like maybe go with a Christian Ramirez type profile again and we'll go sign some more defenders and midfielders with the extra money who knows um i wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that either especially if you're keeping all three dps and they're you're starting forwards for the most part but anything else on uh dio and his vacancy here josh no i mean i think ultimately how what direction the team goes is going to be dependent on the market right and whether or not teams are going to meet the valuation that they have for for um Diego Rossi and or Rodriguez, but likely more Diego Rossi than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. All right. Speaking of signings, there was a new signing this week. Mohamed Traore from, what was his academy again? Montverde in, in Florida. Montverde in, or Montverde yeah, in Florida. Yeah. It's where Florida. Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell went to high school. Oh. It's like a sports academy. All right. Well, there you go. Um. 18-year-old Senegalese center back. He's left-footed. Um, I do have a bunch of YouTube videos queued up for me to to watch uh, and to examine, and then I'll be putting an article out on the bank note here, hopefully in the next week. 
I'm in the last week of, of a course uh, for my master's degree. So I'm, I'm a little bit swamped. So I haven't been able to watch a whole lot. But I do plan on uh, on ri- doing a write-up on him. Um, I think this is good from a depth perspective. I think you're not going to be able to rely on Silva and Yakovic for too many more years when it comes to depth options at center back. I think it's good to have a, a left-footed option as well. Um, but I don't see him factoring into the team immediately. What about you? Yeah, I mean, given his age and, you know, again, it doesn't... Obviously, I don't think this is... The way the LAFC has done things, There's, it, I don't think we ever really do things in too much of a reactionary fashion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of maybe, was it last year they brought in who did they bring in kind of late to kind of shore up the defense? Don't remember now. Um, but anyways, the it's one of those things where I think this is a probably this has been one of those things that's probably been been in the background happening for a long time now. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's just a matter of when they pull the trigger. And obviously now now that you're you you know that the season's going to restart and some of these different and we're getting back to a little bit of normality. That's probably why you saw the move finally being made, right? I mean, like we barely even saw an Andy Nahar, any news for Andy Nahar, um, because of obviously the way that things were going with with COVID. So, you know, um, but I think again, those plans were in place. All those things were there. Obviously, they wouldn't have traded Walker Zimmerman prior to the start of the season had that move for Nahar not been in the works for however long, right? I think mm-hmm. he was with mm-hmm. the team during. Um, during last year's playoff run is when he arrived with the team. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like I said, I to think that the the work isn't put in years and you know, not, yeah, I mean, yeah, when you look at the, the you know years, months, way in advance, um, you know, it's probably a bit naive at this point. So, yeah, and this move is probably one that was that's been in the works, probably scouting him for however long now. Um, you know, he you know, hopefully is a guy that they can continue to develop in the way that, you know, some of the other prospects they've kind of signed and looked at. I think it was Lamar Batista when they probably brought in that kind of was fit the same profile mm-hmm. and mold in terms of like a bigger, what, 6'4". I think, how tall is Traore, did they say? I do not know. I can look that up, though. Right, because our center backs are short, right? That's the one thing we know about, you know, Segura's, what, 5'10", 5'11"? I think you he's know. only 5'8". Well, there you go. You know, and um, and Blackman is six two, but even then, you know, you see at the end of the games, we're you know we don't have much Hulk and size in the middle of the park anymore to be able to clear balls off. And I think the end of the Orlando game is one of those ones. Where you're like, man, I really wish I had someone who was six foot four and could go clear this thing out. You know, but they yeah, don't. Yeah, and also, I mean, the other thing about that is uh, the fullbacks are extremely short. Where I think Cheeky's five. Five and I think Nahar is five five as well, right? Yeah, maybe so one of them is five six. I mean, again, so you're not dealing. We're not, you know, you're not dealing with a team of giants, right? Mm-hmm. And so to not have a guy who can come in and clear out the line, so that's probably where that look is. Maybe again, he's a guy that can, um, you know, because even Yakovic, I think he's only six two. So again, you, you know, what is it? You know, the they don't guys who are super athletic and tall don't grow on trees 
that you can they're yeah. not a dime a dozen you kind of have to go out and find them and if you can do it and develop them um you know you're you're in good shape and so you know he's a guy who's what a uh u17 u17 senegal national team player um mm-hmm. so the promise is there right I, I don't think he played in the u17 world cup for them um in the team that played against the united states but at the same time um yeah he's a guy that i think you know hopefully you know with with the right coaching and some of the things and he said especially being left-footed you know again though those types of guys are things you don't find in major league soccer very often so should they be able to develop them could be a big you know a big plus for the team yeah i think it's important to underline here as well that uh lafc had to trade into the top spot on the waiver so they spent some sort of capital there and then i'm sure they had to pay uh, probably orlando uh a certain amount of uh a certain amount of money for his for his rights as well, um, because we all know that MLS is a joke when it comes to signing signing players. Uh, and I, I'd have to imagine that with that academy being in Orlando, I'm looking at something here. It says he was there from 14 years old, so Orlando's got to be the the club that owned his rights. So I can't remember who he traded with to get into the top spot. But we had to pay that both them and likely Orlando to sign this kid. So what that means to me, similar to Bryce Duke, is it's somebody that you didn't, you're not just taking a complete gamble on. It's somebody that you've scouted pretty well, pretty thoroughly, and you're willing to spend some money to go out and, and get them as opposed to just like, yeah, we'll take a flyer on you. Why not? So I cannot find anything about his height, though. So I don't know. He looks tall. So yeah. He looks taller than all of the high school kids he's playing with on some of the videos I've seen. So we're going to go with that. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else that we should get into here, Josh? I mean, we can. El Trafico probably is the next one oh, yes. on the horizon. So this is likely going to be the first matchup that involves Carlos Vela, Chicharito, and Jonathan Dos Santos. So mm-hmm. I, you know, like I said, I wouldn't, I mean, maybe. Coloto still hasn't quite figured out how to do anything. So I wouldn't put it past me. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if LAFC doesn't, you know, come in and play as well as they and continue to do what they did to them in the last in the last two games. But again, it's always a tough game for, for LAFC. You know, the Galaxy in terms of the way that they press and the way that they set up are always going to give you give LAFC problems because I think that's the one thing that should, Goto's kind of figured out about how to attack them, right? It's it's really just bother Atuesta, you know, press that, and they do it well, right, with the midfielders they have. Yeah. yeah. But again, with Jonah coming off of coming off a rehab stint um, for uh, Sports Hernia, again, it's not easy to come back from, given what actually happened during Sports Hernia. Look that up; it's not fun. Um, so, wh- whether he's going to be one hundred percent at this point. Again, it's, it's a question, um, you know, and then, you know, will Chicharito, ever, you know, score is a question that, that everything everyone's asking and seeing what's happening with that. So, yeah, um, LA, the, like I said, as much as we don't think the Galaxy have much to offer, they're always going to bring it. They're always going to be a tough game just by the nature of, you know, again, this is a game that they care about, right? And games that people care about, 
it's going to be it's always going to be tough and then if you play down to your opponent then you're going to obviously run into problems and it's something that LFC have done in the past and hopefully they've learned some of their lessons and can go from there yeah I mean we saw it even in the match in Orlando Galaxy jumped out ahead with a quick goal um, and then took the lead again after we had equalized and uh, I, I think you you definitely can't discount them. And for the first, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, they looked like and were the better team. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with Sebastian Legette. Uh, I think he was the one that was uh, mostly bothering Atuesta, and he was doing well once he was in the attack um, as well. He... he was kind of the guy that made it all happen. So we'll see if that happens again. Uh, I don't know if Skeloto is going to trot out his 4-4-2 again uh, or if he's going to try something else. Uh, you would think he's the man's got to try something else sooner or later because this guys he's he looks like he's about to get fired. Um which would be a pretty that would be a pretty big accomplishment uh being the team that's responsible for him getting the axe. Uh, and I think a, a, a big enough defeat could do it. Or if they, you know, if LAFC is totally dominant from start to finish, uh, that could that could spell the end of Scalotto's stay here in Los Angeles. Um, so I think that's what you have to look for. Does Legette, similar to Fabio Alvarez last year, is he the one that can bother Atuesta enough to keep us from progressing the ball forward? Is Jonah Dos Santos, like you said, able to recut? you know, cover if Legette doesn't get that job done. But similar to last year as well, if you get the ball and you're running at that back line, you're going to score goals. And it's a, it's really only a matter of time. So it's really just, can you play through whatever defensive front they set up? And once you do, just finish your chances and you'll be okay. Um, we did have a question about this match from Tycho B&G asking if we thought Nahar was going to uh, gonna start this game. I don't see it. I think it'll probably be Yakovic with Blackman at right back and then your standard midfield that we're that we're so used to, K Atuesta and, and Blessing. And then you'll see Rossi, Vela and Rodriguez across the top. Do you have anything different there? No. I mean like I said I the front the configuration of the front three is always interesting, but at the same time, I don't think it really matters because it changes so yeah. often throughout the game. Right. Um, but we're likely not to see anything to see too much different than we're used to. Again, there's going to be moments where they play a little bit different, you know. And this is this is where I think I'm after having that conversation with Vince, my mind has completely kind of shifted in terms of how I've learned to think about LAFC and how they approach these things. Um, but yeah, I don't. Given the short the turnaround and some of these different things, um, you know, unless unless you're at a point where you think Nahar is game ninety minutes fit, you're probably not going to see him in anything more than a subs role for for the time being, um, and then kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah. We do have one other question. Um, it's from Jerry Reynoso over at uh, One Ten Football, and he wants to know if there's going to be any LAFC Twitter league talk on the pod tonight. Uh, only to remind everybody that I am the champion. I put a star next to my team's name this year, 
and uh, I drafted a pretty strong team as well. And uh, hopefully I can repeat. We'll see. We'll see what happens this year. But for the time being, the trophy is mine and all the glory is as well. Josh, are you what are you thinking about the NFL this year? We're going to take a slight detour here. I mean, I just want to see games played more than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, like it'd be kind of cool. Kansas City looks like they're going to have about 20,000 fans. Um, but again, it's hard to see anyone beating beating um, Kansas City because they just are loaded um, yeah. from top to bottom. Um, yeah. yeah. To me, they're the favorites again. Obviously, the 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 eyes will be on Tom Brady in Florida. I mean, in Tampa with all the 9,000 receivers he finally has. And so <laughs> we'll really get to see whether or not it was just a matter of, of is it, was it Brady or was it Belichick right at this point? So, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be, you know, there's, I feel like going into this year, there was a lot of narratives that I don't think we're going to see again. Um, also, if you want to see someone's quad tendon being ruptured, go look at that guy from the Dow, Gerald McCoy rupturing his quad um, while doing a team photo shoot. It's pretty interesting. Did that just happen in training camp? No, they're doing photos, like team photos, and he like pushed off the thing and tore his quad. Jeez, I did not hear about this. Yeah, this is Gerald McCoy. He came from Tampa. He's wow. like, you know, Pro Bowl player, but. I mean, that guy's moving like the one thing about the NFL is you'll never see people that are that large moving that fast. It's it's yeah, shouldn't, it yeah. shouldn't occur. And that's why you have the amount of injuries that you have occurring. It's just mm-hmm. people that big should not be moving that quickly. But again, they're especially running into each other at that speed. Yeah. I mean, there was a guy that flashed one of the linemen last year was like six foot eight, almost 300 pounds and ran a sub five 40 yard dash. That's absurd. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it's just absurd. Like, yeah, again, the laws of physics it defies the laws of physics more often than not when you mm-hmm. see the way that these guys move. And so, again, when you compare that to our five foot six fullbacks, you know, it's, it's interesting. Different, different altogether. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for those who participated with the show tonight. Thank you, Josh, for hanging out. Uh, where can we find you? LAFC Josh on Twitter. All right, you can follow the show at CounterPress underscore or me at Kirk Kinsey. We will be back Saturday night to recap the Galaxy match. Hopefully, we will all be in a good mood. We will talk to you then.